Welcome once again to Three Gens Theology. It is our pleasure to be here with you as we uh, want to emphasize how, how important it is to grow in your uh, understanding of the scriptures. And uh, we want to come alongside you and be an encouragement in that way. Um, so as we talk about scripture and, uh, and the doctrines that come from that, uh, we hope that not to just be food for your mind, but also uh, a building up of your relationship with the Lord especially as we talk about um, the truth of who God is, particularly in theology proper. Um, it is something that we hope will uh, draw you to a, a more confident and fuller relationship with him. That's certainly our desire, and so we're glad that you're with us uh, today. Let's start with a word of prayer. Lord, I pray that you would do a, a great work as we look into these truths again. Lord, help your word to come through clearly and uh, give us... Um, uh, the wisdom and clarity that uh, that is necessary for you, that to come through authentically and and um, accurately. Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, as things might distract, that you would help that to uh, be put aside and that uh, your truth would come out clearly. Thank you for this time. I pray that it would be effective, Lord, that you would help those of us who are involved and all those who are participating through hearing it, that uh, we would grow in our relationship with you by these truths. Thank you for this time in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dan. As we were considering creation, one of the things that strikes me is that it was the Son of God, God the Son, whose words brought about all of creation. And it will be before the face of that same creator that the worlds, the heavens, will flee away at the time of judgment. But what we're thinking about today, what we have in mind for today for you, is actually between those events. As we think about uh, the universe since the time of its creation, how it's changed. Stars have winked out of existence and other stars have formed from the clouds that God created at the very beginning into new and beautiful uh, stars that we can enjoy. On the earth, so much has changed since what we find described in Genesis chapter 1 where we see God working on the heavens or on the, on the earth and, and forming it and, and putting it into the shape that he desired it to be in. Since that time, the, the face of the earth has changed. The uh, eruptions of volcanoes, the destruction of land areas near the sea, all of these things have brought about incredible changes to the face of the world. Since Adam and Eve were created, humankind has spread out across the entire world, and, and so much has happened in the, the birth and death of not only people, but civilizations. And yet in all of that, in all of that change, there is one thing that hasn't changed, and that is that God has continued to be involved in his creation. God has continued to interact with those things that he's made. 
And as we look at the concept of God's providence, his providing for that which he has made, I think we're going to be amazed, blown away really, at the way in which he has done that. The incredible involvement of our God puts to to death the whole ideas that uh, we spoke about so long ago as we were discussing a very popular form of uh, uh, describing what God did in creating everything and then just sort of walking away and watching it all take place. None of us who know him well and none of us who've paid careful attention to all that's taken place can agree with the deists that God is a God who is not involved, deeply, incredibly involved in all that he's made. You know, in creation is such a good picture of his involvement because the, the systems that he created, he created with knowledge of the future and with care. So the water cycle, um, the expansion of the universe and, and the, uh, it's, it's the food cycle here on earth, the uh, reproduction, both with plants and with animals and people, um, all, of those, all of those systems were created and are um, self-sustaining mm-hmm. because of his care in, in the creation of them. But then as Colossians and Hebrews tells us, he's also the sustainer of it. So not only do those created systems continue, but then he actually gives boundaries to them. Right. That's what I think about sustainer. I think about the, the idea of, um, nope, not that much. Nope, nope, not that much. (laughs) I don't know that he, I mean, I don't think there's a lot actively in that, uh, because he, his creation was solid. Uh, but he but he has the ability to do all of those things. And so looking at that in just creation, it brings it to to humankind. He he created um, mankind. Mankind is reproduced. I'm a I'm a sinner. He he made the way for me to have a relationship with him in Christ. But then he also is the sustainer of mm-hmm. my spiritual life and my ongoing uh, living. Right. And so he both created me and the way for me to have a relationship with him, but then he also is active um, e- even as th- in things we wouldn't see as miraculous, although if we knew them, if we knew of them, they would be miracles, but not, not even just in mir- miracle ways that we'll get to, but, but just in general, uh, not there. No, you don't want to, don't do that. You know? uh, <laughs> and so that sustainer thought that we see in creation the truth of that with creation is the same, I think, in, in relationship. That, yes. That he, uh, he, mm-hmm. he provided the way for that relationship to be, and then he is the sustainer of that uh, as well. So I think creation is such a good picture of, of providence in that way. Yes, it really is. God is the source of life, but he's also the sustainer of life. Right. He provides for that which is necessary to not only uh, make that which he has made function as it should. The design was perfect from the beginning, but he also has made up for, if you will, 
those things that have been affected by the fall and all that came with that, Mm -hmm. uh, all the changes that have taken place in the world. Uh, and, And when we think about this whole concept of providence, that becomes a major issue for us to consider. Uh, why is it that with God's creation being perfect and beautiful from the beginning, that there are so many problems that we experience as humans living in this world? Uh, Does God's providence not include issues of helping us to live our daily lives, of, of uh, making it possible for us to make predictions, if you will, of how things are going to go. If his providence is involved in that, that creates an interesting problem for us because then it brings us to the place where we start saying, well, if God can do all of these things, why isn't he doing them? And we'll think right. about that as we go along. Yeah, the providence is, um, again, much like creation. It's so beautiful in the basic truth of what it is, but then there are challenges in understanding all the details, right? Right. Like um, in creation, um, you know, how, how if my view is that the earth was created with age, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, if, if the earth is only six to 10,000 years old, how do, how are diamonds? You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's, there's, 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 uh, there's just some, some questions that you ask about that. And it's the same with providence. Providence gives such good confidence. It's such a beautiful thing to know God is over all and, um, and has good will toward um, his creation. Like the whole idea of climate change. Um, we should be good stewards of the earth, right? We, yes, we, we should, should. We should take care of it. But I have absolutely no fear that our earth is going to be destroyed outside of fulfilling everything that Revelation sets out to happen. I don't understand everything about what Revelation sets out, but the earth is still there until the Lord decides to make a new earth. That's right. And so yeah. it's not... Um, it's not uh, you know, carbon that's going to destroy earth. It is when God decides for judgment to come. Um, and so providence gives me that complete confidence. I don't, I don't live in any fear. And I hope that our younger generation can grasp that because they have so much fear about mm-hmm. um, the world burning up or those kind of things. Um, and yet God is, God is provident over those things. He, he already has said what will happen. And I don't understand everything that he said that will happen, but what I do understand is the earth is still there, you know, and there are people still living on it, and they're not, you know, all swallowed up in heat wave and, right, you know, um, until it's his time to sure. to act providentially. Um, but then, so that's on the great side of that beautiful thing, but it does cause some hard questions. It does, right? and and the the delightful thing for us as we think about pro- God's providence is the absolute awareness that a God who can bring about the salvation of a human soul, the God who has made provision for the sins of humankind to be paid for through his Son, 
is also the God who in other ways is at work in this world that we are in. Uh, accomplishing his purpose so that, as you said, if we have a theistic view of creation, a theistic view of providence, a theistic view of, of God at work in the human race, it completely changes the fear factor into hope and expectation. Right, right. Because it gives us the ability to say, God is not going to allow it to get so out of control that that which is supposed to take place mm -hmm. will never take place right. because God is going to lose his grip on that which he's made. Yep. He won't do that. And you can live with confidence. Hope is a good, is a, a really strong word there. Confidence and, and dependence is, sounds like a weak word, <laughs> but uh, when you understand how, how immense God is, to be dependent on him, to trust in him, <clears throat> is not weak at all. It is reality. Um, you know, if, if, uh, if I needed someone to uh, knock down that wall and I would say, Grandpa, you can do it. You can do it. <laughs> I wouldn't say that my trust is, is all that strong in that, you know. But mm. for, the, for the one who can do all things, we, to have that dependence on him is, actually is hope-giving and confidence. Yes. Um, you can make your plans. You can, you can move on with your plans because that's taken care of. You that's know? for sure. So, um, so it does give, I think hope is such a good word that you use there. But then the problems are, um, if God is provident, why volcanic eruptions? Why tornadoes, right? Why um, horrible treatment from some people to others, both, both uh, in a national sense and in a you know, like uh, wars and those things, and in individual sense of uh, someone hurting someone else. Right. Um, isn't God provident to uh, keep those things from happening? He certainly has the ability to. Yes. Right. That is a difficult, um, a difficult issue. I think it's one one of the hard, difficult issues that we don't quite understand. But again, like like Trinity, we can understand it, but maybe not fully grasp it yeah uh, the the concept that we're talking about right here as a philosophical and theological concept is called theodicy it's the question of how there can be a good god and yet there be evil events awful events mm -hmm. in the world in which we live and that is a it, it is a metaphysical philosophical struggle that has been going on for a long, long time, and it probably always will. The book of Ecclesiastes is full of examples of what it is like for man under the sun. And yet, I think as the backdrop to that, we need to be aware of two incredibly important things. One is those areas in which God is consistently demonstrating his grace to humankind and to all the things that he's created. And the other is the terrible effects of sin and what humans do themselves on the stage of this world that God has created and sustains. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so with those in mind, I thought it would be nice for us today to take a moment and first of all, see what it is that Scripture describes as the way in which God sustains everything. And then we're going to jump on the other side and look at that issue of what it is that evil has done to, to hurt this world that God has made. So for the first, I think we'll look at uh, Psalm 104, which is one of the better passages in all of Scripture that uh, describes this issue of God's sustaining work. Uh, there have been various ways in which this psalm has been uh, mishandled. One has been that some have thought that it's related to an Egyptian uh, poem that was written in which similar ideas are given, but it doesn't rise anywhere near to the level of this beautiful expression. Praise the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. He wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flame of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. But at your rebuke, at God's rebuke, the waters fled. At the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary. They cannot cross. Never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the air nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers. The earth is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for man to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread that sustains his heart. The trees of the Lord are well watered, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests. The stork has its home in the pine trees. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the conies. The moon marks off the seasons, and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night, and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek for their food from God. The sun rises and they steal away. They return and lie down in their dens. Then man goes out to his work, to his labor, until evening. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro in the Leviathan, which you form to frolic there. These all look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they're satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. And when you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the earth. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. 
He who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains, and they smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. All of the uh, ongoing creation um, screams of his uh, ultimate power, you know, and ability to be in control of, uh, of those things and, and should drive us as it, is, as, as it ends to bring praise to him. From the tiniest creature to the greatest, mm-hmm. they've all depended upon the provision of God to exist. Yeah, even yeah. the, I like how that passage uses Leviathan. <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, but in the, in, the water, in the waters you have teeming of little animals, right? And then you have even the Leviathan, which we would assume is a, a large, um, you know, uh, noticeab- noticeably big uh, sea creature <laughs> right. um, that has room in the greatness of the, of the ocean. So, yeah. And he, he's over all that. He created all those things. So that's the, that's the positive side. That's the, the, the side that no one questions. Uh, if they do, they simply question whether God is involved in the process at all. Mm-hmm. As we described about uh, the uh, evolutionist position, they have to constantly find ways to get God out of all of this. But for those of us who believe he is definitely involved in all of this, then we come to the question of why ugliness, why pain, why, uh, why terrible disasters that destroy hundreds of thousands of people take place in this world. If God is providentially involved in it, is he incapable of protecting them? Or on the other hand, has he protected many, many times and those times being forgotten when we have a great disaster, we simply assume either God is doing this or maybe God just forgot to be there that day he forgot to show up yeah. but that can't be can it so there must be other explanations so a few a few podcasts ago we touched on the portion in acts where i believe it's peter is saying that the jews are responsible for the killing of christ but at the same time it had to happen it was god's plan and so both the being god's plan and personal responsibility uh, are coexisting there and it's no problem right um, in the scriptures for that but we want it to be clear-cut if God is good and he can handle everything everything should be good in our mind good <laughs> and that's that's not uh, that's not reality it doesn't and then it doesn't reference the fall you know the, the fall not just affecting humankind but uh, all of creation all of creation um, and so you have um, the fall affecting those things so the Lord does allow things to take place, right? He does allow things to take place in his providence. And we don't understand all of those things that he allows right. as we look at them. But we don't know all the factors, right? That's right. I was thinking like uh, Mount, Mount St. Helens is that, Mount mm-hmm. St. Helens that, that uh, blew its top. And uh, everything around there just looked awful for right. a time. Uh, it looked just terrible. You think, man, this is just a... A yeah. crazy disaster but now years later it's teeming with life again yeah. 
you know. And so I think sometimes the what we think are negative things, possibly if that pressure had built up there and not blown, it might have caused a bigger problem otherwise. Right. Um, and the newness of life now there is is good. It's a, that's an easy example because when people are hurt, uh, you can't just gloss over it with, well, God's going to do something good out of it. You know, it's 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 uh, it is difficult to explain all those things because we don't understand them. Right. So I, this might be better to ask at the end, um, and we can, uh, and we can go back to this if this makes more sense. But I do. I would be interested to hear both of you have obviously dealt with a lot with um, death and, and difficult things. And so, uh, you know, kind of the the personal side of theology, how, do, how have you guys communicated that on a person to person? Right? Again, it's easy as we talk about, you know, Mount St. Helens blowing. It's easy to talk about the, uh, you know, God being controlled that. But from, from a, a person who's lost somebody or a person who's had something hard happen to them, how do you communicate and still hold on to that theology, not say something that's not theologically true, but also uh, be be comforting in those moments, which is which is not a very easy I thing to do. I think it's a good time for that question. Sure. All right. Good. You want to start? Yeah, I think one of the things that I have tried to help people in in dealing with, especially the death of a loved one, uh, we have gone through with this pandemic an enormous number of families saying goodbye to loved ones in the most tragic ways. They're in the hospital, they have no contact with them, they're gone, and then the family is left to try to deal with what does all this mean? Why did all this happen this way? And in dealing with people, I, I remember a situation in Japan where we had one of our believers who had an aneurysm uh, in her early 40s, two young children. Um, I had to try to help her husband, who was not a believer, uh, and the children to, to go through this situation. And one of the things that we discussed together at length was the whole issue of living in a world in which things can and do happen there is disease in this world and no one the most faithful christian nor the most ungodly wretch who has killed more people than you can ever name no one is um, in any way free of the possibility that one of those illnesses is going to happen to them Mm -hmm. There is within us, uh, within our DNA, within our chromosomes, there are errors that have cropped up over the space of long, long periods of time as generations have come and gone. And sometimes we die as a result of those things being there. God in his, in his wisdom and in his plan has at times reached in and drawn out lives for reasons that we cannot understand to take them home to be with him. And in other cases, he has taken individuals whose lives should have been snuffed out immediately and have lived for 10, 15 years after that 
purely by the grace of God. And so the answer that we start with is, does God do good things in the midst of these potential dangers and disasters Mm -hmm. that we face as residents of this world with all the forces that are in it? And the answer is he does. Does God always do that? The answer is he does not. And it's not, a, it's not for us at this point in our life, whether we are dealing with the loss of a loved one or whether we are dealing with the loss of thousands in a city that's been struck by a major hurricane. It is never, ever our place to say, God did God's that. God's judgment on you. Yeah. God did that. Yeah. We simply do not know right. why the Lord allows death to take place at times and in other times he graciously steps in and does not Mm -hmm. our ability to grasp those things is much too limited but what we can know is that god never wastes a situation like that he is always present and willing to provide the comfort and the help and even the salvation of a loved one that is desperately needed. That same Christian that I mentioned who died at 43 with an aneurysm, the week before I had been talking with her, and she had said, I would give anything, even my own life, if my husband would be saved. He was only open and willing to talk about his spiritual condition after she went home to be with the Lord. I think one of those things in dealing with people is um, the uh, empathy is, is a great thing. I don't, it doesn't solve it. No. But you can say the truth empathetically. Yes. <laughs> um, so for me, um, both of my parents died from disease. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't die young, but they died before they would have had to, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, so especially my mom's cancer that she had, um, to see her um, struggle through that, um, certainly there are times I'm thinking that's not fair. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. That's not why would she have to go through that? That's not fair. Absolutely. Um, and so uh, to, to have gone through that um cycling through that in my own mind helps me then to deal with uh, to help others there every instance is different and in that setting because we're in a fallen world our our bodies have disease right Right. um also in in our family we've had some ugly things happen and that's more of the fallen world that we have sinners you know that do ugly things yeah um so in in both of those working through those thoughts for myself is is uh helpful in dealing with others so you don't want to step away from the truth god does allow things that happen he allows them yes and to it is hard to think that god sees this thing happening and doesn't step in you know it, it, that is a hard thing um, but we don't know all the factors 
we don't know quite what's going on there. Um, and we have sin all around us and in us, but all around us that can have effects on our, our creation and on people. Uh, so, um, you know, you don't need to walk away from those truths, but they're, no. they are hard. There's no doubt about them being hard in, in each oh, of those yes. particular situations. You, know? you, you think of, uh, we find daily um, reports here in Indianapolis, for example. We don't have to go to Chicago or some other city. Daily reports of people being shot to death. Their bodies found during the night, during the next morning. Um, and there uh, are uh, churches. Indy, it's not every day that that happens, but uh, it, it's a lot. It is a lot. It is every day. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you because I watch the news every day, and it, it's almost literally every day. Yeah. So why? Uh, we have churches. We have, we have godly people who are doing everything they possibly can to it discourage this from happening to to encourage to help to train to to invite people to plead with people to lay down their guns to lay down their anger their anger and bitterness their right? bitterness their their rage mm-hmm. and and to stop treating other people as uh targets and start treating them as human beings and with all that pleading, we still see individuals who are continuing mm-hmm. to have rage, to, to use weapons, to kill others. So here's the thing. Here's the reason for mentioning this. These are human beings acting in horrible ways toward other human beings. From our perspective, knowing how great our God is, we would like to see God stop every individual from ever doing this. We see the imprecatory psalms in which people are crying out to the Lord, Lord, uh, van- vanquish the evil ones, uh, destroy the wicked. Those, those prayers are constantly in the book of Psalms. And you think, well, now that's a godly man. He's praying for God to squash wicked lift, people. Lift their head up off lift, them. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. The, the hearts that we have that cry out, this is wrong, are filled with anguish at the fact that sin has its way in the hearts of human beings to the point that they do things that are horrible. And we think, oh, God, stop them. And sometimes he does. Sometimes he does, Mm -hmm. but not always. But it's never in those situations, it's never God's fault that someone became so angry he drew a gun Mm -hmm. and shot someone. We must never blame God for that. What we need to be angry about is the existence of sin and ungodliness and and evil. So two things there. One is often people are offended that that sin is allowed, and at the same time it drives them away from uh, a trust that there's a God that's setting the rules, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And so those seem to be contradictory to me. Yes. Um, But because they want 
they want the providence of God and his control to kick in, but at the same time, it causes them to, to walk away. And then secondly, this is actually where I thought you were going, from God's view, all of our sin is offensive, right? Yes, and right. wicked and awful and costly. All of our sin is. And so to him... Um, my my pride, my whatever is is evil. It's evil to him because of his righteousness. So, I think that's where uh, we we look at others and think, how do bad things happen to good people? The truth is, nobody's good, right? That's right. We're all we're all sinners. Um, and now, I, in that, there I think there are people who did nothing to deserve what happened to them. Right. Right. I certainly think that's, that's the case. Um, but we are all offensive to God. We're all offensive to him. Um, and, and at the same time, he has a great love and he sent his son for us and he offered forgiveness for us, but it doesn't lessen the, the, the ugliness of our, of our sin. And if you think about that point that you're making, look at Matthew chapter five, for example, Jesus said, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do that? Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So his point here, as he points to the Father making his Son rise on the evil and on the good, is that we have to have hearts that are so much like his that we can pray for those who don't right. treat us kindly. Right. So let me We can pray for those who do things that are horrible. And that's why right. every once in a while you hear some family say hmm. you killed my daughter. Yeah. I forgive. But I forgive you. Yeah. So that's what that's where I want, I would love for uh, any of you who are challenged with hanging on to uh, bitterness or anger at God or at others uh, because of something that has happened. Um, let me just encourage you <laughs> to look at the next few steps. Who who is that hurting? Who who is that who is that costing? Uh, it, it costs us when we hang on to bitterness and anger. It costs yeah. us when we um, can't let go of something. And so I know there are some desperately hard things that take place. Um, but uh, we can rest in God's providence that he sees it and he cares and he still is at work in the lives of the people that we care about. If they've, if they've died and gone on to a home in heaven, they're better off than they would have been here. Right. Um, but... You know, don't don't allow that to uh, to wrangle you so much that you hang on to this thing and it, it ruins you. 
It ruins right. you. It doesn't cost them. That's right. I, I've told a story several times. There was a church member that had been upset with me for several years, and they finally told me about it, that they were upset with me about something that, that I had said, which I'm sure I said something stupid. Um, but the thing is, over that course of those years, I had no knowledge of it. It cost me nothing. I, I wasn't upset about it at all. I didn't think about it at all. And yet this person hung on to that uh, disdain all that time. It didn't cost me. If I said something stupid, you would hope that it would have cost me something. But it didn't cost me something all that time. It cost that person something all that exactly. time because they were hanging on to that to that uh, perceived hurt. So, um, you know, that, that I, I just encourage you, don't let that anger at God or at someone else dominate your life because it costs you and if i could tag something onto that dan i have known far too many people who have had things that have happened to them when they were small yeah kids right who have held on to that those words that were said that thing that was done Mm -hmm. and they have held it and they have festered and become bitter based upon those experiences even though they profess to know a god who is able to change us from they're really giving that person power over their life that person is controlling yeah that is exactly it's 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 desperately sad it It needs to be let go so that you can have god's so look at look at god's providence as uh, uh, an area of comfort an area of strength there are things that are hard to describe, to understand in a in a instance by instance setting, um, but a backdrop of all of that is that uh, um, God has provided for us uh, a, our our life, and then uh, the opportunity for forgiveness and eternal life, and how great it is. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, we didn't think we we're going to talk this whole time about providence, but there you go. Uh, we talked lengthy about providence but it was it's good ever. yeah first time <laughs> uh but it was so good to uh to walk through some of the difficulty and the joy of of uh, the providence of god so thank you for joining us here on three gens and we will